on the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing. It's the first Monday of the month, and that means we are trucking through the territories once again. And this time out, we are heading up north to check out international wrestling from Montreal. Uh, hopefully I don't get stopped at the border like when I tried to get across the border with Warbeard Hansen one time. Oh, let's hope not. Also, Brian, Phase 2 is here. And we're going to tell you all about it, plus your promo about nothing and so much more. But first, tell him, George. I think I can sum up the show for you with one word. Nothing. Wrestling fans, there are millions and millions of podcasts out there, but there's nothing like this one. Do you ever just get down on your knees and thank God that you know me and have access to my dimension? This is the wrestling podcast about nothing. Nothing? Nothing. Welcome to the wrestling podcast about nothing episode 146, a production of Crackpot Podcasts. My name is Mike Crockett. I'm a longtime independent wrestling referee in the Northeast, currently on an extended hiatus from the ring. And joining me, as always, is a veteran of the New England Independent Matt Wars. Now he is a Ring of Honor wrestler. He is Mr. Inside Edition. He is the king of all pins, Brian Malonis. I am the king of all pins, aren't I? Yes. <laughs> That's why I uh, bestowed that title upon you. Kingpin is one word, though. Well, come on. Just roll with it here. <laughs> Just roll with it. <laughs> That's the type of mood you're in today? Yes. <laughs> oh, boy. So there was a lot of uh, social media hoopla over the weekend, Kingpin. Yeah, we created. <laughs> Basically, phase two. Yeah. Phase two. People wondering what that's all about. You might be wondering what that's all about. Well, yeah, we'll get, we'll get into that. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's save that. We'll come back to it. We promise, folks, we'll come back to it. But for now, let's get right into our trucking through the territory segment, Brian. You can at least like even like steal Diesel's music and like <laughs> something. No, no, no. That's I mean, come on. It's Saturday night. Super Bowls tomorrow. You don't care about the Super Bowl. <laughs> I gotta sit down. I gotta hunker down. Uh, have a couple cold ones, some guacamole, and not watch the game. <laughs> no, I watch. I always watch. Do you? Yeah. Are you gonna watch? <sighs> Sadly. Hmm. Maybe we should do like we've done in the past. Maybe have you do some post game analysis. No, I'm good, thanks. No, you're all right. <laughs> you sure. I'm good. What if what if the you get your wish? Uh, I just rather avoid it. I hate I hate football. All right. <laughs> <laughs> it's killed your will to live. <laughs> it, it has. It's uh crushed my soul. I'm sorry about that, Brian. Well, uh, hopefully you get through it. It's Monday already, so you've gotten through it. Let's hope and pray. <laughs> Before we get to trucking through the territories, let's talk about BrianMalonis.com. Yeah, it's there. It's live. There's T-shirts to purchase. You know, make yourself useful. Buy a damn T-shirt. <laughs> you are coming with you're coming on hot with the greatest uh slogans for Bramalos.com. Make yourself useful to me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean otherwise, you know, what good are you? Piss off, right? Yeah. Yeah, you don't want to buy a t shirt uh the hell with you. <laughs> so have we sold a curtain jerker WPAN t shirt as you you put out there last week, you will call the first person 
the next person, I should say, to buy a WPAN t-shirt. No, but I did I did sell a couple of the Mastodon logo shirts this week. Oh. <laughs> You're not calling those people though, right? No, no. No, they didn't buy a WPAN curtain jerker t-shirt. So the uh, offer is still on the table. Well, it's still the offer. Another week. We'll extend the offer. <laughs> Purchase a Curtain Jerker WPAN t-shirt through com, and you will hear from at least the Kingpin, maybe both of us. Yeah. Yeah, let's do it. Who's going to be that person, Mike? Who's going to be that lucky person? I really don't know. And uh, be the one. Then purchase a Curtain Jerker t-shirt from BrianMalonis.com. Or you can go to the WPAN.com. That is the WPAN.com. If you want to know everything you want to know about the wrestling podcast, about nothing, you can listen right there through the website. You can subscribe through all the uh, various podcast platforms, including iHeartRadio, including Spotify. Find us everywhere you get your podcasts. You can find our social media links. At the WPAN, we are basically at the WPAN on all social media platforms, so follow us, plus our bios, plus photos, all on the WPAN. See us in the buff. Brian, (laughs) we can't be doing that kind of stuff. Why not? We're fathers? Yes. (laughs) We can't can't be doing that kind of stuff. All right, Brian, let's get right to it. We are trucking through the territories the first Monday of every month. And I decided, Brian, that we are going to literally do this like we're getting in a car and driving. So we started in the Northeast with WWWF last time. And uh, this time we are heading north. We're getting in the car. We are crossing the border to Montreal, Quebec, Canada for international wrestling the year 1986 specifically it is june 21st 1986 well at least it's june because leave it to you uh, we're freezing our balls off here in in uh new england and you want to drive north of course the great white <laughs> north and brian this promotion was the successor to All-Star Wrestling, to Grand Prix Wrestling, and to the IWA, the International Wrestling Association, in the 50s and 60s. And the different versions of these promotions' world title is the one that Killer Kowalski actually held some 19 times in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. Oh, very cool. I, uh, I The alone trip I ever took to... Uh, Russell in Canada, as alluded to in the open, where Warbeard Hansen got us held up at the border. Right. Uh, was with Killer Kowalski. So Yeah, we talked about that. What episode was that? Uh, road think, Stories. I, yeah, we think we've talked about it on a couple, but uh, yeah. I think it's The Road, I think was the name of the episode. Way back. Hopefully, hopefully Warbeard's got all that cleared up now as he travels the uh, the world with uh, WWE. Yeah, let's hope and pray. Let's <laughs> hope and pray. So yeah, Killer Kowalski's a former world champion, and that was with the IWA, which is the predecessor to this promotion we are talking about now international wrestling it's also known as loot international that is the french version because you know it's montreal and it was founded in 1980 by frank valoy gino brito who we'll talk about soon and andre the giant oh so andre was one of the uh andre was a promoter yes in the 80s that's interesting Part owner of International Wrestling or Loot International. What if he just threw money at it and just you know wanted to collect it on the other end? I think he ended up uh, selling his shares in the company uh, sometime in the mid eighties. I think he was done by the time uh, nineteen eighty six came around. Anyway, so Loot International, International Wrestling, 
was another victim of the WWF expansion. We'll talk about this. A lot of guys who went on to be a part of the WWF are on this show in 1986. At first, actually, WWF worked with them, and they promoted a series of loot versus WWF shows in 1985. And the last one was to be Hulk Hogan versus Loot's biggest star, Dino Bravo. Well, that explains why this was a success. <laughs> <laughs> it was supposed to be a champion versus champion match at the Montreal Forum, but that final show never happened as the rumors suggest that WWF didn't want Hogan to jump to Bravo, which you could probably... Uh, rightfully so. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> so the deal D- was... Dino Bravo stinks. Well, he was a big deal up in Montreal. They talk about him uh, glowingly on this episode. Uh, unfortunately, he doesn't appear on this episode we're going to talk about today. Sadly. <laughs> he might have. He might have. He, he might have. We'll, we'll get to that in a second. He might have. So the deal was broken. But in the process, WWF took International Wrestling's home venue, the Montreal Forum, out from under them. They leveraged the partnership that they had with uh, Loot International or International Wrestling to get the venue to sign an exclusivity deal with the WWF. Do you think uh, Gino Brito did like a documentary at some point and uh, feigned tears and talked about how the WWF put his family out of business and much like Vince McMahon has talking about WCW? Might have. <laughs> it's definitely a possibility. That's, I mean, that's always so funny with uh, uh, when you hear like the stories like this and and then you see kind of like the sob stories of wcw trying to put them out of business and playing dirty pool and then you hear things like this and it's just like and then we're wwf guys growing up like yes. that was our home promotion but like god damn when you hear stuff like this like how stupid do they do you sound i mean the, the winners get to write history right right and definitely a dick move that you're working with these guys and things start to go a little sideways so while this is kind of crumbling you go to montreal forum and say hey why don't you sign an exclusive deal with the wwf and they do that and now uh international wrestling has no major venue to run that's the name of the game back How in the mid 80s about that <laughs> and then of course they scooped up the biggest stars like uh king tonga aka haku was a international wrestling guy the rougeos uh, eventually, Rick Martel and Tom Zank, and yes, Dino Bravo as well. They eventually- the Cam Man Connection was formed in Loot International. I guess so, yeah. I guess they were both up there, and they both came down to WWF and formed the Can Am Connection. So, International Wrestling was forced to run a much smaller building. They turned to guys like Steve Strong, who we will talk about in mere <laughs> moments, Boy. and Richard Charland, who's uh, in the first match that we're going to talk about. They brought those guys in to anchor the roster. They formed a partnership with the WWC, the World Wrestling Council in Puerto Rico, as their kind of final Hail Mary, but it was all for naught. The company filed for bankruptcy in June 1987, almost exactly one year from the date of this episode we are looking at today, Brian. It was June 21st, 1986, and we find out that we're going to see Ricky Martel in action today. It is Ricky. He was Ricky all episode long. (laughs) Plus Steve Strong, as we mentioned. We're going to hear about the great Samu, the Long Riders, and much more in this episode as uh, they describe this over a bed of really bad 70s music that's kind of made its way into 1986. And, and like, so unusual, just the constant use of living in America. (laughs) Like, what? Well, they're trying to be international. You're in French, you know, French-speaking Montreal, Canada. (laughs) Like, 
Living in America. Well, they used it for Tom Zank because he's from Robbinsdale, Minnesota. They used it like six times in the episode. <laughs> okay, they did. They did. <laughs> so our hosts, our commentators for the evening are Milt Reskin, I believe is the man's name. I thought it was sounded like he said Brian something. The but audio on this was horrible. It was like it was like it was worse than gargle lyrics. <laughs> yeah, it, it was. Thankfully, on the YouTube video, uh, I'll probably put the link to the YouTube video in the description, but uh, there was a nice listing of everything that happens and all the wrestlers' names on the show, so that really helped me out because, yeah, it was really tough to decipher some of these names. So it was Milt Orskin and Gino Brito, who was the aforementioned owner of International Wrestling, and uh, the first match on the card, a tag team match as... Ron Ritchie teams with, it happens everywhere, Brian, Gino Brito Jr. <laughs> These Boy, uh, what a wrestler. Pr- promoter's sons, you can't get away from it, even in Canada. They're always pushing their guys to the moon. It's like you with uh, Jim Crocker Promotions. Basi- well, uh, I never even got a shot, Brian. <laughs> Thanks for bringing that up, rubbing it right in there. Your dad, Jim Crockett, didn't want to give you a... Didn't want to give you a big head, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was in the back. I was uh, sweeping up after the guys, you know, taking towels and stuff like that, but never got to appear in fr- on camera. What's uh, what's Dusty Rhodes like in real life? He's a dick. <laughs> wow, wow. <laughs> <laughs> no, just, just kidding. Just kidding. Okay, so their opponents, Ron Ritchie and Gino Brito Jr. versus Richard Charland, who was uh, the guy we talked about was going to anchor the promotion once all the top stars left, and Frenchie Martin. You mean Frenchie Martin. Frenchie Martin, yes, that Frenchie Martin. He he did have the beret on before the match began. He did, and why, why does he look 30 years younger here than he does like a year later in WWE? Like, I don't know, because he had the painter's robe there. It was all covered up. Here, he, he looks in pretty good shape. Yeah, he looks in decent shape. He looks like, you know, it looks like probably, you know, maybe like 40-ish or whatever. Like, one year later in WWE, he looks like he's 64. Well, USA is not okay, Brian. <laughs> Who we'll on you? Sure. Right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> so Frenchie Martin is on top early in this match, but Ron Ritchie takes over. Ron Ritchie, the uh, big fiery baby face, looks like he got some pointers from Rick Martel in this match. You see a lot of uh, <laughs> Claps clapping and, and you know shuffling and all Arm sorts leaving. of things. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I mean, if you're gonna steal from somebody, why not uh, Rick Martel? But you know they are in the same promotion. Lots of white meat baby faces. All yes. over the place in this episode. And lots of lumbering big men. We'll- a lot of, huh? Come on. <laughs> Come on. So let's talk about Gino Brito Jr., uh, the son of the promoter. And at one point, he leapfrogs over Richard Charland and ends up in a go-behind and very awkwardly <laughs> just pulls him back into the corner, almost rams himself in the corner buckle to tag his partner, Ron Ritchie. And what a leapfrog it was. <laughs> <laughs> just leapfrogs over and just lands kind of awkwardly behind him, like almost like he didn't mean to do it. I'm 400 pounds with two bad knees, and I can do a better leapfrog than this clown could. I'd like to see that. I definitely could. All right, I want to see that on ROH TV. All well, right, maybe you will. I'll have to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for your support, Dink. <laughs> so at one point, Richard Shyland does a one-armed headlock. So this guy's... Mighty strong. He can hold him in place without even locking his hands together. So you know? it's not even a headlock. 
It's a head unlock. <laughs> Amazing. They like to work uh, very safe up in Canada. They do. And funny thing, Richard Charland, I saw him. Uh, Triple H's first show was in Burlington, Vermont, on November 1st, 92, I think. And it was for the NEWF, the New England Wrestling Federation. And Richard Charland was working on those shows. So that's kind of... So you have a connection here. I do. And the funny thing is uh, we had Tony Roy with us, who uh, you know is a French-Canadian, so he speaks French. Richard Charland is a heel there, and he was yelling stuff out in French to people. And it turns out he was calling the fans fucking Pop-Tarts. <laughs> All right. In French. They had no clue? They had no clue. Did he do the one-arm headlock? Uh you know, in in uh, wherever Burlington, Vermont. That I do not recall. Wow, I'm sure you tried. <laughs> I'm sure. You're not gonna, you're not going to pull those moves on American wrestlers. No, 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 no. <laughs> not you in might, Burlington, Vermont. <laughs> you're definitely going to get away with it with Gino Brito Jr. Though, <laughs> that's for sure. So, Frenchy Martin, we talked about his uh, physique. Looks good. He's wearing a singlet, and the singlet has the connector in the back. And we talked about this. Yeah, the first single that I ever had, I got from I got from Gino Martino, and it had uh, had that connector, and it it's so weird to me because it just reminds me of like uh, like a bra, I guess, like it's like a bra strap. I don't understand the point of it. Michael Quinn of the Our Vantage Point podcast is very annoyed by the connector in the back. I'm I'm with him. I am I am right there with him on that. I think the reason for it is to keep it from. Uh going over your shoulder blades i think hmm. so it, I keep, it keeps it, it keeps it in line between your shoulder blades there's like three guys who all wear like the same black and red singlet with the strap across the back and during this episode the, so they're the exact well, the exact they same look, look? They're very similar if not the same one very similar they all go to the same guy i guess <laughs> maybe they pass it around so uh, we learn over the course of this match that the tag team championships are vacant. The Long Riders, who are, uh, I believe it is Wild Bill Irwin and Scott Hogg Irwin, they were the champions. How but- do you get the nickname Hogg? <laughs> you tell me, King. <laughs> I don't know. Me. I'm asking you. So uh, we find out that Scott Hogg is among the missing. So now Bill Irwin is teaming with Bull Johnson, who kind of looks like uh, Blackjack Mulligan. But that's who I actually thought it was yeah, at first. I, first I thought it was one of the blackjacks. Yeah, but uh, I guess something happened there where they stripped him of the titles because I think Scott Hogg, I'm going to keep saying Scott Hogg, is not around. So uh, we find out that, I mean, possibly maybe uh, Ron Ritchie and Gino Brito Jr. are in line for a tag team uh, championship run. I'm sure Gino Brito Jr. had some gold somewhere along the way. <laughs> I'm damn sure of it myself. Maybe I'll look that up in a second. But uh, Ron uh, Ritchie makes a very Rick Martell-like comeback. And at some point, they have uh, all four guys in the ring. And the baby faces have the heels in uh, front face locks. Or no, like a, it's almost like a bulldog position, and they go to ram their heads together, much like the Bushwhackers, like the Bushwhacker battering ram. But the heels push them off. The baby faces collide in the middle of the ring. Kind of the opposite. That's like kind of like a heel spot, like the colliding, yeah, like colliding spot. Yeah, and then the heels take back over again. They go for a double clothesline on Ron Ritchie, but Ritchie ducks, hits a drop kick that nails both guys, one foot on each gentleman. One of the heels falls out, the other heel remains, and Ron Ritchie rolls on top 
of one of the heels, grabs the legs, one, two, three, big victory with a drop kick. It's a 1985 finish if I've ever seen one. Yes, yeah, so Ron Ritchie and Gino Brito Jr. are the winners of this opening contest. I love Frenchie Martin taking the bump and then leaving his legs up there, just telegraphing the, uh, <laughs> he did like the pen where you grab the leg guy's legs and like, you know, front flip over him. I think when you won your first title, if I recall, Brian, it was uh, you, Antonio Omega, for the New England Championship. I seem to recall in the video, you go to pin Tony Omega, Omega puts his leg up in the air for you to hook. <laughs> <laughs> I seem to recall that from way back in the day. That is a, a moment in Brian Malona's history. How dare you besmirch the good name of Tony Omega <laughs> on this podcast. So looking at Gino Brito Jr.'s profile, Brian, and in the photo accompanying the profile he is holding a championship belt i don't think it's a tag team title but <laughs> i can't really find information if he won those tag team championships he's got to won something uh, apparently he won something in international wrestling yeah i'm sure i'm sure his dad was the promoter <laughs> whatever that title was exactly so dude looks just like ron jeremy <laughs> <laughs> when ron jeremy looked good <laughs> if you say so <laughs> so we have uh, the commercials the commercials are shown uh, it's excited me i don't know I, I love watching old things like this where the the commercials are actually in it like i i, I you know i don't actually skip over them I, I enjoy watching them so we see paul hogan uh promoting fosters Australian for beer. It is. I used to love the giant cans of Fosters when I was in high school. Really? That was, your, that was your jam? Because they were cheap and they're gigantic. You drink like three of those things and good night, Irene. <laughs> <laughs> so also a commercial for Speedy Muffler. And at some point they showed a, an Asian gentleman driving. <laughs> and of course they they added in a, a gong. For what? <laughs> Friggin' reason, <laughs> other than just pure racism. racism. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's there, the reason. That's yeah. That's there's no other uh, like just pure racism. So we go back to the ring. International wrestling. Jeff Gripley takes on Steve Strong. This guy was gonna save Loot International. Brian, what a physique on this fella. He, he was. Is, he's beefy. Put together, if you will. You don't you don't get looking like that standing on the street waiting for the bus. You sure don't. So Steve Armstrong, of course, is showing it off, flexing for the camera. Look at the lats. <laughs> Look at the pecs. Look at the quads. The striations. <laughs> and uh, Brian, he has armpit hair. What a pig. Tarzan would be so mad. <laughs> he really would be. Tarzan is very averse to armpit hair and gentlemen it's very, wrestling. I mean, it's kind of silly. I mean, this guy took all the time to like get all the rest of the hair off his body. Like, why leave the armpit hair? Well, he did have a little bit uh, on did. his chest. I guess yeah. I didn't notice. I, I, you were looking I, a little I pay close attention. Yeah, you were looking, looking a little more closer than I was, apparently. <laughs> so the uh, commentators say regarding Steve Strong, everything he does, I'm sure hurts. Uh, no doubt in my mind. <laughs> Bingo, yes. <laughs> Roger that. <laughs> because this guy is a big lunk. <laughs> I'm gonna he would get the lunk alarm at, uh, at Planet Fitness. No I'm doubt gonna, about it. I'm going to guess and... and uh, uh, we'll have to look this up at some point. We'll have to look this up, Mike, and, and see how correct I am. Here's the here's what I'm picturing. Here's the the picture in my mind. Uh, this fellow walks into a gym that maybe the promoter or a couple of the wrestlers were were training at. They see the size of him. They say you should be a wrestler, and they bring him down to <laughs> whatever you know whatever show he shows up and. They train him for about 45 minutes and then just put him in the ring because that's the way he looks. <laughs> right. So his name uh, is actually Steve DeSalvo. It's not Steve Strong. 
His real name? No. Oh, weird. So he became Strangler Steve DeSalvo. He did work in WCW as the Minotaur. Okay. For a short period. And uh, Steve Strong, yeah. Um, actually from Boston, Massachusetts. Really? So we so could run into this fellow. We could. Well, yeah, you should. He's a, he's a great wrestler. <laughs> a great talent. Now, I'm going to say it right now. No, screw Steve Strong. He sucked. <laughs> that was terrible. He is actually 69 years old right now. Uh, Steve really? Yes. Yeah. Huh. S- Bring it on, Mr. Strong. So, I'll fight a 70-year-old man. <laughs> <laughs> That's very nice of you. So <laughs> Steve Strong, uh, he did the trademark of all big guys who don't quite know what they're doing. That is the shoulders in the corner. <laughs> it's uh, patented. That is standard if you don't know what the <laughs> fuck you're doing. <laughs> Put him in the corner, hit the shoulders to the stomach. He was like 36 years old here, huh? He is an older gentleman, yeah. I guess. Older? Hey, wait a minute here. <laughs> so Steve Strong, everything he did looked like, I mean, looked like it hurt. Looked like hot garbage. <laughs> yeah. You Sometimes you, you can hit guys hard and uh, make stuff look good. This guy hits people hard and it don't look yeah, good. There's no, there's nothing worse than when you're you're wrestling somebody and everything they do looks like shit but hurts like hell. Mm. Like it's it's the worst cuz at least like at least if like somebody hauls off and belts you but it, it looks good like at least you're like, "Oh, okay. Well, it forget that sucked, but it looked good." Like the people, you know, like they got a show with it. You know, like this guy, yeah, everything he did looked piss poor and just I'm sure just devastated the poor guy he was wrestling. Jeff Gripley, uh, not a good day at the office for him. Steve Strong drops an awkward elbow on <laughs> Jeff Gripley and picks him up at two. That's the actual That's the actual name of that move, <laughs> the awkward elbow. Yes. You're uh, the people's elbow? This was the awkward elbow. So speaking of awkward, he whips him off the ropes, does Steve Strong, and the guy runs into his arm and holds on. It's not a sleeper. He just he runs into his arm, stops cold, and his arm is basically rested across his chest and on the gentleman's shoulder. And Steve Strong then proceeds to just throw him down to the mat. <laughs> it looks like a rock. It's like set up like a rock bottom, but he doesn't follow him down. He just takes him and just like Whoops. slams him like <laughs> a uh, sack of potatoes onto the mat. <laughs> Again, don't look good. Didn't look very safe. No. And then there is a power slam, which you were uh, in awe of. Just the lack of athleticism on this guy was, uh, I mean, a power slam is supposed to be like this explosive like move where you take, you know, you take and jump and spin and land. And this was like, uh, just like a regular body slam. They look like he tripped and fell with him. <laughs> like, good stuff. Real good stuff. So then he hits a clothesline, which the announcers really put over as uh, his bread and butter. Looked like he killed this guy with the clothesline, probably because he did. And the forearm, heavily featured throughout this match. Jumping up, weak-ass looking forearm. Yeah, so he hits all these moves, like power slam, all this other stuff, then just goes back to hitting with forearms. He must have done like this shitty little stomp on the guy like 30 times, too. Yeah, uh, didn't look good, didn't look good. So Strong whips him off the ropes. Picks him up in like almost the side slam, but then somehow gets him into the tombstone position, Brian. And both of us. <laughs> no, 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 <laughs> yeah. no, 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 no. This no. is something that happened 33, 34 years ago, and we were both terrified for this guy. <laughs> yes. He got him <laughs> Which up. Clearly, he was okay because we would have heard about like 
we would have known who Steve Strong was if something bad would have gone wrong here, I think. Yeah, so it took us such a long time. I didn't know if Tombstone was ever actually going to happen because he picks him up in the Tombstone position, then rams him into the buckle in that position, and then brings him back to the middle of the ring and awkwardly, I go back to this word awkward a lot, but he hops in place with the guy in the tombstone position. What did you say just, about this? Just let them get a whiff. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> just whiff of the balls. <laughs> so he stands there, faces the hard cam, Mm-mm. and just hops, and then turns to the crowd and hops with the guy in position, then turns back. Just getting, just getting hit with wiener in the face. <laughs> <laughs> and then straight down to the canvas. Very unsafely. <laughs> Very unsafely. Uh, Mongo McMichael-esque. With the tombstone pile driver, so yeah, it was like it was like one of the ones where like like the guy almost like tucks his head and like takes the bump on like the top, top of the, the shoulders, shoulders. Yeah. yeah, which looks way more dangerous than like the actual tombstone. So that is how he got the three count, Steve Strong, with the terrible tombstone pile driver as <laughs> as called by the by the commentary not team. our words no words of the commentator the terrible pile driver <laughs> and we go from there to a strong promo meaning a promo by steve strong <laughs> not a promo that is strong because it is uh some weak shit it is it, but it, you know i was actually disappointed in this because i was expecting it to be so much worse it was just kind of like your standard boring promo nothing special i was hoping for like new breed level terribleness but uh steve strong much much like in his match left me disappointed in his promo yeah as just well. textbook heel garbage yeah in the promo and of course the announcer mentions ricky martell former awa world champion which they really hang their hat on Rick Martel being a former AWA world champion. I mentioned that numerous times during this, but Steve Strong wants to get at Ricky Martel, and apparently that match will be coming soon to international wrestling. Poor Ricky Martel. <laughs> so we go back from this promo to, again, highlights of the Steve Strong match, really trying to get this guy over as a monster heel. So as they're showing basically a replay of the match again, they actually had the replay immediately following the match, then the promo, then they come back to replay it again as the announcer basically cuts a promo on Steve Strong, like putting over Rick Martel and saying, Steve Strong's got another thing coming if he thinks he can just roll over the former AWA World Heavyweight Champion. And just so basically cutting a promo for Rick Martel against Steve Strong here with the backdrop of a terrible quote-unquote pile driver once again the fact that this company decided to show this match essentially three times on one episode tells you all you need to know about this promotion <laughs> <laughs> loot international is not long for this world i mean wwe did some underhanded shit with them but you know let's face it they weren't long for this world anyways no so we go to commercials from there molson golden is mm. the beer of choice up in canada and then we go to variety bingo palace <laughs> Which I'm trying to figure out the wrestling fan that would go and play bingo. Hey, you've never played bingo? No. Really? No, never. Never, Not one time? No. Huh. Like in school, maybe they did something where... you never gone to like a bingo hall and played like never. bingo, though? Really? We should do that. I don't... <laughs> 
<laughs> That'd be fun, I guess. I've, I've, I've been a number of times. Really? Yeah. But I just don't see the the connection between the bingo palace. I, I'll give you the connection right here. You want to you want to talk about heat, Mike? You want to talk <laughs> about heat? Yes. You have never seen heat in your life, like when somebody calls bingo and they don't really have it. Really? Because. Like somebody, like the person who gets a bingo gets excited, and everybody around them knows it. So then, war, it's like before the number because they put the number up in, on a video screen before they actually call the number out. Mm-hmm. But you can't yell bingo till the bingo caller says the number. So like, there's like you know thirty seconds, a minute. So when somebody gets excited, then the word kind of spreads around the around the hall, and everybody starts to hear just. <laughs> Everybody ripping their their bingo cards off, like to go to the next sheet, and then you hear, "That's not a good bingo." <laughs> and oh, come on! And just it's just pure heat, like you've never seen in your life. How would you describe the prototypical person who has uh, anger at this level over this situation? Old lady. Yeah, really old. <laughs> White hair, yeah. glasses. Yep, smoking 14 packs of Paul Malls <laughs> during the course of a two-hour bingo game. <laughs> a walker right by the chair. Perhaps. Uh, for my goodness. Seemingly. Seemingly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, we go back to international wrestling here. It is Ludger Prue. Yes, Ludger Prue. I thought it was like Ludwig something. Close enough. I mean, I- I'm looking at the YouTube Description and that says Ludker Prue versus Tom Zank. So, yes, Tom Zank here in international wrestling. A little bit before the Can Am connection comes to the World Wrestling Federation. A lot of arm work by Tom Zank here in the beginning of the match. The reverse hip toss. Just they're very athletic up in, uh, up in Montreal, Canada. Uh, it was maybe the worst forward roll I've ever seen in my life. Ludger Prue cannot get off of his feet to save his life. He literally did not get off of his feet. No, like, he like went sideways. Yeah, like, like with his feet planted firmly on the ground. It was like a sideways roll. Yes, he like do doed like around him and then just like <laughs> rolled onto his back. <laughs> yes, it was more of a dance move than it was a bump. It was. Uh, then Tom Zank moves on to the leg and is really working the hell out of the leg. Not a lot of excitement in this match. Not a lot of high-flying offensive moves to the very end when he hits a crossbody on Mr. Prue. Which I'm pretty sure was supposed to be the finish. I think so, and uh, he was way too close to the ropes. Dickhead referee didn't just count the fucking three. He's in the ropes, bro. Oh my god, it's a job match on TV, and you're trying to get this guy over, and, and the, the ref was more worried about getting himself over. A wrestling veteran would pull him into the middle of the ring and pin him that way. Uh, it's, you know, count the fucking three. <laughs> <laughs> it's fake, right, Brian? <laughs> it's a it's a get over match. He looks stupid. Well, he was. Why why is he pinned? Talk about it in the back afterwards. Don't 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 talk, don't make the the guy you're trying to get over look stupid. All right. So Tom Zank doesn't get the pin there. Ends up picking him up, whips him out the ropes, sleeper hold, which was a little curious to me as a babyface putting the guy in the sleeper hold. Well, he was lost. <laughs> he was lost. Referee didn't count the three on the finish. <laughs> Motherfucker. So he goes with a sleeper, wears him down, brings it down to the mat, and he has a pin in the guy. It's oftentimes the thing I've, I've always wondered. I fi- finally, I see somebody do it. I've always thought, even as a kid, about like, oh, why, wouldn't you, why wouldn't you just put the guy in the sleeper and then pin him? 
seems a lot less like you seem a lot less likely to wake the guy up if you lay him down nicely on the mat and crawl over real quietly and like and like pin him very gently like he's sleeping he's out raising his arm three times that's gonna you know that's bound to wake <laughs> him up gonna jar him into a yeah so why wouldn't more guys do this it's a genius move by tom zink i i missed the little light crawl <laughs> there wasn't a light crawl no, there was what i'm saying i'm i'm painting a picture mike but something you did see brian after this match almost immediately as a baby face that put a guy in his sleep or put a guy to sleep he does the old move where he puts the guy on his ass and massages the back between his shoulder blades, the back of his neck, slapped him. and slaps him <laughs> yeah. to wake him up. You don't see that anymore. Well, you don't really see sleeper holes anymore, but dumb. that was a thing back in the day if you're now, a baby face. Because I mean, in reality, like it's it's evolution of the wrestling business. Now, if you put like some sort of sleeper or chokehold on somebody like that, like if you put him out, the match is over immediately. There is no more... Dropping your arms three times. No, there isn't. Uh, and, of course, we get the full replay of the sleeper from beginning to end. <laughs> and it is not uh, slow motion, Yeah, the thankfully. replays weren't just, like, clips, and they weren't slow motion. It was just, like, like they rewound the tape and, like, hey, we're going to play the uh, last three and a half minutes of this match here. So we got to see the entire sleeper hold exchange once again, down to the mat. One, two, three. Tom Zanke's the winner. And well, if it wasn't for the ref, we wouldn't even have to see the sleeper. <laughs> All right, Tom Zank cuts a promo. Very milk toast, very bland. White meat. But Tom Zank loves to point. That's what he did for the whole promo, just point at the camera and say things. That's what he does. Z-Man, baby. He points like nobody's business, and uh, he brings out his tag team partner. Of course, I talked about the tag team titles are vacant, so Tom Zank announces his tag team partner is one Dan Crawford, also known later in the WWF as Phil LaFon. Boy, did Furnace and LaFon stink, too. Wow. <laughs> and w- at least in WWF. Well, yeah, and then they called them basically boring, right? Yeah, <laughs> that ended up being their gimmick. So that that always they uh, pushed them pretty hard at one point. Well, it's a, those guys are around for the Attitude Era. That's amazing to me. Good wrestlers. Good wrestlers. Yeah, that's what got over in the Attitude Era. Good wrestlers. <laughs> <laughs> Should have. So the promo gets cut off. A lot of the promos here get cut off. First of all, a lot of hard cuts in yes. general in this in this TV episode. First of all, the announcer cuts them off. Tries to pull his best mean Jane and just say, all right, we got to get out of here, folks. And he doesn't even get out that whole sentence, and it cuts right to a commercial, like, really, like, boom, like that. We go to the first commercial, which is Angelo Mosca. How about, yeah, how about that? Angelo Mosca getting a Miller Lite. Yes. Uh, you know, uh, endorsement deal. So Angelo Mosca talking about the, the many virtues of Miller Lite. I know PW Peter Winson, he's a big fan of Angelo Mosca, at least his commentary. So uh, Angelo here uh, talking about Miller Lite. Yeah, who, who would have thought, huh? And then there's a commercial for friction proofing, which mm. I don't even want to get into. <laughs> and uh, com- wait, 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 that's bad, right? Yeah, that'd be bad. Yeah, to stop the friction? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be bad. That would be bad. <laughs> so let's, let's go back to our ring announcer who actually announces in French and English. We are in Montreal, after all. It is Jim Londos who's, uh, I am told, is not the original Jim Londos, who is from way back uh, in the day. Oh, the original Jim Londos. Okay. He was a big deal back in, way back. When you were tra- in your childhood? Yes. Yeah, so, 86, this is not the same Jim Londos, but he wrestles a man by the name of 
Man Mountain Moore. He's dressed like, you know, like he has like the Bruiser Brody. Like, John Nord. Yeah. The, he has the furry thing boots. Going on. Yeah. Yeah. That's his angle in this whole thing. He is managed by Floyd Creechman, who is like the Bobby Heenan of international Pretty wrestling. Pretty Boy Floyd. Pretty Boy Floyd. Yes, indeed. The heels in international wrestling love the forearms. So plenty of forearms to the back in this match as well. This is another big guy who just is fucking putrid. He really is. Uh, he drops uh, Jim Londo's on his neck across the top rope, and uh, Londo's kind of ends up falling out to the floor, comes back in, and he deadlifts him. Uh, Londo's offers no help whatsoever, and he deadlifts him onto his shoulder for the Argentine backbreaker and gets the submission. Man Mountain Moore makes quick work of Jim Londo's here, and we are told that Man Mountain Moore is eyeing Dino Bravo's international title. So um, more looking to get at uh, our buddy Dino Bravo in very uh, short order. I'm sure that match was a barn burner. And we find out the great Samu is next. No, he's not. <laughs> we go to a Rick Martel promo. Ricky Martel, excuse me. And Rick Martel is like the carrot top of international wrestling, of loot international, because he uses props. He pulls out a balloon in this promo, a, a long balloon. It's, and he blows it up, and he says, this is Steve Strong. Maybe it's reference to the fact that he's... Uh, On lots of steroids? Perhaps. <laughs> perhaps. So uh, this is, you know, and then he pops the balloon, and that's basically what he's going to do to a guy like Steve Strong. Oh, Ricky Martel. Oh, Ricky. So... I, I, I will say, like, you, you can tell, like, the difference between... Even I mean, even Tom Zank, whose match wasn't like all that entertaining, but like Tom Zank, Rick Martel, when they show the clips of Samu, even you can tell the clips of the guys who like went on to actually be something, and like the local Montreal talent that was in this promotion that was all just putrid. And uh, speaking of Samu, we go to a highlight package of Samu. So Samu wasn't next, but his highlight package was kind of next, and it was done to the tune of. Nasty Boy by <laughs> Janet Jackson. <laughs> oh, you nasty boys. Uh. You know, when I think, uh, you know, Head Shrinker Samu, that's, I think of Janet Jackson's Nasty Boy. You think of her tit? No. This is way the before Super that. Bowl. That's what you're thinking of, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> so we find Having some lean times at home, buddy. <laughs> oh. So we find out that Samu is currently in the Orient, and he is coming back soon. It's in the Orient. So these show Samu hitting some pretty devastating moves for 1986. At one point, he hits a sling blade, the clothesline that uh, Finn Balor does, that Jeff Hardy did, and this is 1986. He's a big boy, too. And also, he does a second rope DDT. <laughs> the guy's in the corner sta standing on the mat. He gets on the second rope facing him, puts his you know head in the front face lock, and falls back off the second rope. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> Let's try something else. That's what you'd be saying? <laughs> Not for me, baby. That's for something. Somebody else. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that is the uh, extensive package we see from the great Samu coming soon. You love a good extensive package. Perhaps, Brian. Pretty boy Floyd Creechman is next in a promo challenging Dino Bravo on behalf of Man Mountain Moore. So uh, that is coming up very shortly, apparently, in international wrestling. And from there, we go to commercial. We see a commercial for Absorbine. And the uh, catchphrase is, 
Rub it in, rub it in. <laughs> yes, it is. Nothing wrong with that. No. Rub it in. All right, we come back for a commercial to a Long Riders promo, and this is the Long Riders of Wild Bill Irwin and Bull Johnson, the uh, Blackjack Mulligan lookalike, with Eddie Creechman, who I think is Floyd Creechman's brother or uncle or something. They're like the Valiants in Montreal. He's asked, Bill Irwin is, about Scott Hogg Irwin, and he's taking care of business. Old Hogg. Old Scott Hogg is hogging it up somewhere else. So the tag team titles next week, it'll be the Long Riders versus a team to be named to name new international wrestling tag team champions. So Tom Zink and Philophon. Perhaps. We don't know that, though. Maybe we'll look that up and see what happened. But I don't know if we... Probably not. No. (laughs) All right. Next match, Ricky Martel, former AWA World Heavyweight Champion. As was beaten into our heads, we are fully aware he is a former AWA World Heavyweight Champion. You are aware? I am aware. I am aware. (laughs) Versus Diamond Jim. Oh, good old Diamond Jim. One of the great names (laughs) in wrestling history. Let's talk about DJ Diamond Jim. He has a star on his ass, on his gear. Like, What what other shape would he have? (laughs) For Diamond Jim? Yeah, what star's perfect, right? There's no other shapes that he could put on his tights. There's nothing. I mean, there's nothing obvious, right? <laughs> okay, I'm with you on that. <laughs> so he has the mullet and mustache combo, which is always killer. <laughs> so Diamond Jim versus Ricky Martel. Before this match even begins, though, our friend Steve Strong comes to ringside, grabs a microphone, challenges Ricky Martel as he already has previously in a promo backstage. I got to admit, buddy, I think I dozed off for a second during this match. I think I heard something. <laughs> I think this is, yeah, I think I woke myself up with a little like, <laughs> like, I think I dozed off during this a little bit. I thought it was just like a deviated septum thing, like Fatty McGee and the Adam Sandler thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think I legitimately dozed off. Because <laughs> I, I don't remember him walking out, but then he was all of a sudden there. <laughs> yes, so uh, thankfully you... Uh, That's how good this was. <laughs> <laughs> There's no higher praise than I fell asleep during your <laughs> match. Anyway, so Steve Strong challenges Ricky Martel. Martel says anytime and basically invites him to come in the ring so as a heel strong approaches but then backs off and thinks better he then consults with uh, our friend diamond jim give him a couple pointers before the match and then we go to ricky martel versus diamond jim and diamond jim actually gets in a few licks early on against martel but he ducks his head for a backdrop and pays for it rick never, martel. never duck your head no 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 rick martel kicks him and Sends him in the next week. Punts his head off. Diamond Jim doesn't quite know how to post, right? <laughs> or just doesn't refuses to. Uh, yeah, I don't know which. Again, I, I I think the level of training on a lot of these guys was probably not uh, not up to snuff. But usually, when you pick somebody up for a body slam, they kind of hug onto your back and then take their hand and place it on your leg and post off, or maybe even on your on your belly or your chest uh, if you really want to get some height on the on the body slam but uh diamond jim both hands like like (laughs) fucking jazz hands (laughs) like while he's in the body slam position rick martel though for to his credit just muscles him up there muscles him back down (laughs) yes he does a couple of times and yes because the backbreaker as well he just uh 
old no hands Jim. Yep. He's just like, <laughs> screw you, Ricky. <laughs> so Ricky Martel goes to the apron, hits a slingshot splash. So he basically uses the ropes to launch himself over the top rope and, you know, splashes onto Diamond Jim. One, two, three. Your winner is Ricky Martel, former AWA World Heavyweight Champion. And you were very concerned that Ricky's foot might have been under the bottom rope. Yes, I made you rewind. Yes, you did. Because I wanted to see. And it was. Because you were hoping the ref would spoil another finish. <laughs> and it was a judgment call. It was close. Yeah, this ref was smart enough to realize, like, hey, we're trying to get this baby face over. I'm not going to make him look stupid. <laughs> so Ricky Martel, yes, by the skin of his teeth. He got the pin. One, two, three. You know what? You know why he let Ricky get away with it, but not Tom Zank. Why? Ricky's a former AWA World Heavyweight Champion. I didn't know that. Yeah. Huh. Fun so, fact. <laughs> so a lot of clapping in this match from Rick Martel, but no high knees. I was very disappointed. I, I thought he was very subdued in this match. I was expecting like, like Rick Martel high knees. You know, like nobody's business in this one. Well, there really wasn't a big comeback because he was basically in control most of the way. Very true. So we go from there to a promo. From Bob Della Sera, a bald gentleman who cut one of the better promos of the show, actually. Yeah, it was actually pretty solid. Like, it was nothing, like, to write home about, but it was, yeah, he, he was coherent and, and made some points. And, uh, you know, I might actually want to see something more of this fella. Also, the announcer, I think it's uh, that guy Milt, talks about Tom Terrific, a.k.a. Tom Zank. The Z-Man. The Z-Man. So Bob DeLacera cuts his promo, and he is done. And then at the end of the promo, Milt says, we'll be back with all kinds of action. And hard cut to three guys in a ring doing deep squats. Yep. Hindu squats and sit-ups and very sit-ups on the apron and then sit-ups sitting on another gentleman. And one of these three gentlemen may or may not have been Dino Bravo. Wait, I don't think it was. I think one of them was Tom Zank. I think. I think so, too, yeah. Uh, one of them looked like Dino Bravo with dark hair, perhaps, but... They're in, like, just street clothes. They're in, like, jeans. One guy's in, like, jeans and a polo shirt, like, taking a dropkick. This is just a complete non sequitur. Just the, They go to and they're talking over it, talking about what's happening next week, what's happened this week. I mean, they said all kinds of... This is a different kind of action. Yeah, this is just, like, like it's it was, like, filmed before the show, like, and they, it's like they were just all like practicing in the ring or something, and they decided to film it and put it on TV. It's like if uh, WWE Today or, or or Ring of Honor or somebody just like filmed when the guys were going over their match and then just decided to play it at the close of the show. It was very strange, very strange, and uh, that's how the show ended. Mike, yes, uh, I think we need to get in our car real quick and get the fuck out of Montreal. <laughs> this place sucks. <laughs> So that was International Wrestling for June 21st, 1986. We are trucking through the territories the first Monday of every month. So next month, who knows where we're going next? As long as it's not Montreal again. No, we are moving on, Brian. We are moving on to Twitter. We want your feedback. Tweet us at the WPAN on Twitter with your take on this week's episode, your thoughts on our trucking through the territories segment. Use the hashtag WPAN, or if you want, Call the voicemail line. That is 401-584-9726. 401-584-WPAN. And we have voicemails. Wow. Brian, this week. This is very rare. Let's take a listen to the first voicemail. Hey, what's up, boys? Mike's already checking in. Uh, I'm a little late to the party, but since it got brought up on this week's episode, I figured I'd chime in. Um, Crockett 
you cannot question Malonis's call of the junkyard dog as one of the best gimmicks as a question of what type of gimmick it is when you pick the macho man, Randy Savage. It's a moniker. It's a nickname. There's no gimmick aside with it. He's just a great wrestler, cuts great promos. There was nothing over the top with him being super macho or anything like that. It was just a nickname, not a gimmick. Junkyard Dog, absolutely a gimmick. Malonis is right, again. And uh, go pass in the Super Bowl. See you, boys. Mike had me till the end. <laughs> so he's a dog. That's the gimmick. He's an actual dog. Yes. Of course, a chain has a leash. Pees on people. Headbutts them. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Mike Doherty, for cleaning it up. Mike Diesel, uh, thank you very much for clearing that up for me. He's a dog. Huh. Mike Mills. Get down with a dog. Mike Mills has threatened to uh, let me know the true story behind the Junkyard Dog. He, of course, was made famous in New Orleans, uh, Mike Mills' home base, so uh, in Mid-South Wrestling. Mike Mills, a big fan of the Junkyard Dog and really doesn't like when I question so the junkyard dog wrestled as a kid, and I actually had his LJN with me. Really? Yeah. Right here in New Hampshire. There you go. All right, let's move on to our second voicemail. What's up, guys? Uh, Brian Fury just calling in real quick. Uh, I just finished last week's podcast, and in regards to that promo about nothing, all I have to say is, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. Uh, I know uh, Crockett will get that. Um, I'm really unsure about uh, Malonis, but very enjoyable as always. Very fun find for the promo about nothing, and looking forward to phase two, whatever the hell that may be. All right, guys, take it easy. Keep being yourselves. That's why we all love you. I don't uh, understand the reference. You know what? I don't either. <laughs> but I'm wow, a very stuff. I'm a very absent-minded individual. We are on point here <laughs> on the Wrestling Podcast about nothing. Hopefully Brian Fury will let us know what that is all about. But last <laughs> week it was uh, Jeff Hardy, right? Yes. Check it out, man. It's the law. <laughs> so uh, thank you very much, Brian Fury. Maybe you can clear that up for us. Sorry about that. 401-584-9726. That is the number. Leave your own voicemail. We will play it right here on the Wrestling Podcast about nothing. Let's talk about booking the territory with Mike Mills. Speaking of Mike Mills, every week, two episodes, Sundays, Thursdays. It is uh, Smoky Mountain Wrestling. It is Jim Crockett Promotions, MikeMills.Podbean.com. Great stuff happening over there with Mike Mills booking the territory. Our vantage point. The Retro Wrestling Podcast, that's another great classic wrestling podcast with Joe Murata and Michael Quinn, and uh, they're talking about uh, great ring announcers in their Royal Ranking segment and the downfalls of different things. They talked about the downfall of the Intercontinental Championship, the downfall of the National Wrestling Alliance. So much more. Check out our vantage point. OVPpodcast.com is the website there. And Greetings from Allentown with PW, Peter Winston, our next-door neighbor. Check out Greetings from Allentown. He talks about one single episode of wrestling television, weaves in all his own special little stories, talking about his cat, his uh, weddings, his Bruins, all on Greetings from Allentown. Check it out in his own feed or in their pro us and only feed 
on Place to Be Nation and the Rundown Wrestling Podcast with Jason Stewart, who we had on last week, with Sal, Troy, all the rest over there at the Rundown Wrestling Podcast Network. RundownWrestling.com is where you want to go to find out all you need to know about the Rundown Wrestling Network. Kingpin, Brian Fury brought it up in his voicemail. Phase two. Phase two. Phase two, Brian, and... I'll admit, I really don't know much about it. You call me on the phone, which is uh, very, very rare. It's very rare. It's very rare. You (laughs) called me on the phone and told me this big news and said, you'll give me the details on the wrestling podcast about nothing. Yes. So, okay, this is how we're going to do it. I want to make the announcement. I'm sure you want to make an announcement, too. So on three, we'll both say it. All right. Are you ready? <laughs> I mean, you, you just want me to say what the say what the announcement is. Yes. Okay, you ready? This is the big announcement. Phase two. Here we go. All right. Ready? Yeah. One. Two. We got a contract. Oh, you right? Did. We we got a contract. That's what you told me, right? I un- guys. Brian got me on the phone. He said, we got a contract. So I, I guess to ask you, Brian, uh, I mean, we're here. You can finally let me know. Is it MLW Radio? Is that what it is? Uh, no, no. Is it, uh, okay, Podcast One. Uh, no. Wrestling podcast about nothing on Podcast One. It goes great together. What do you think about that? No, I, that's that's that, not that, that's, that's not, not it. Okay. No. We got a contract. Uh, what is we're going to be uh, on the radio. We're going to be brought simulcast on WEEI. <laughs> no, no, that's not uh that's not I, I guess I should clarify what the we uh I wasn't talking about we, Mike, like me and you. What, what do you mean? I was what? talking about like me and my family, like we like like the, you know, what this meant to my family. Like we got a contract. I I, I guess I should have been more uh, I don't know. I, I guess I, w- I didn't think you'd take it that way. Wait, 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 wait. I did this whole campaign all weekend. Phase two, <laughs> yeah. the next phase. The, the next phase of Brian Malonis' wrestling career, phase two. So you get a contract? Uh, Mike, I uh, right here. Right oh. here in front of in front of us here. I started professional wrestling the day before my twentieth birthday. Started at the Chaotic Training Center with Duke Stalton. Duke Stalton, the first man to ever show me anything inside a, a professional wrestling ring. We've been together in the ring many times. I, I have had the door slammed in my face more times than I ever care to announce. I have given up at times. Uh, when you started this podcast, you had basically just about given up. Yeah, I, I was resigned to the fact that it was, you know, it, you know, local guy, yeah. do your one show a month. Yeah, that that type of. Um, it's so far different from when we started this. It's something that uh, you know. It's it's literally been my dream. I mean, the dream is to be a professional wrestler, but essentially, it's to be signed to a contract. It's to to. Ju- I don't know. It's it's like that that stamp of approval that <laughs> at seventeen years uh, wasn't you know wasn't for naught. And after hearing no so many times over and over and over and over and over and over and over again 
I, I can proudly say today, right here on the Wrestling Podcast about nothing. This is breaking news on the Wrestling Podcast about nothing. Yes. I made this promise to you, Mike, that uh, if this day were to come, this is where we would break the news. This is where people would hear it first. Uh, of course, I mean, the people closest to me uh, know this, but as of today... Uh, well, it, it's as of January 1st, technically, <laughs> but yeah. uh, as of this moment right now, I am now a contracted professional wrestler with Ring of Honor Wrestling. I have the, the ink is dry. I've received my copy back. It's all official. Uh, I am signed for the next year uh, with Ring of Honor Wrestling for the first time in my professional wrestling career. Uh, I've been around Ring of Honor for a couple of years now, but I was working on a night a nightly basis. Uh, now I know I'm going to be there for the next year. The ink is dry on the contract. I, I am no longer a free agent for the first time in my life, and it feels pretty damn good, my friend. It feels pretty damn good. Yeah, congratulations. Thank you. I mean, it's sucks for me about the whole <laughs> podcast contract, but yeah, yeah, hopefully, hopefully you didn't like go out and spend big money on new equipment or anything, or <laughs> you know me, right, Brian? <laughs> no, this is a. Uh, uh, Absolutely fantastic. I mean, like you said, you've been working on a per night basis for Ring of Honor since you started there. What is it? Almost two years ago. Yeah, now? I mean, so yeah, the, the top prospect tournament was two years ago uh, at this point, which seems absolutely insane that uh, the top prospect tournament was two years ago. It doesn't even seem possible that, yeah. it, that it was two years ago, but uh, it was. And yeah, here here we are two years later. Two years ago, we were talking about the Top Prospect Tournament. Now here we are two years later, and we're talking about the fact that uh, I'm now signed to a contract to uh, not an exclusive deal. I can work. I can work other independent shows. I was just going to ask you that. Yeah, yeah, I can. Uh, I can still work in independent shows. Um, I mean, the the one big news I guess coming out of this, if you want to see me at a local independent show, you got to be there in person to buy a ticket. So if you hear me plugging a local show I'm on or independent show I'm on, the only way to see me. You're not going to see me the video on YouTube or anything like that. You got to come to the show live to see me. Um, you can so. only be on a streaming service that is uh, Ring of Honor, right? Exactly. Yeah. Any anything broadcast, I can only be for Ring of Honor. But I mean, that's um, there's no place I'd rather be right now. Um, I'm so thankful to. I mean, so many people. Uh, you know, you amongst them. Um, you know, all my friends and, and family who have believed in me over the years and supported me and. Uh, it doesn't happen with a without a network of support and and people just being in your corner. Uh, and thank you to Ring of Honor. Um, when somebody believes in you, I feel it feels good. Um, and and the commitment that uh, they made to me, just uh, you know, uh, I'm forever grateful and forever loyal and really excited now for um, what the future holds for uh, myself and my partner, the the Beer City Bruiser. The chemistry with us was pretty instantaneous. Um, not only, uh, you know, I think the chemistry in the ring, but the ring, where I mean, he's become one of my best friends. So we've hit it off. You know, it's been a perfect marriage there. And now, hopefully, you know, with this added step of being under contract now, it allows us to take it to even bigger heights. And the timing ain't bad with the big show coming up in April. <laughs> no, not. Uh, not at all. Um, you know, I don't. I don't know what it means as far as that. It's like, uh, I'm certainly hopeful that I will be at the Garden. You know that that's on the uh, that's on the goal list for 2019 to be wrestling at the Garden. And no, it doesn't. It probably doesn't hurt my chances to be under contract. Um, but it's exciting, and I, and I think about you know, uh, you know, as we sit here and uh, re-record this or whatever, and I start to think about. Uh, 
some of the people in my life who not here to see this. I think of like my parents and stuff, and you know, I think of how proud they would be. Uh, and ironically, we're sitting here recording on Saturday night on the anniversary of a death of a very good friend of ours. Yes, who was a great supporter of of both of us, a great supporter of this podcast. And uh, I read. Uh, Todd Sinclair's brother's post today, Kyle's post about him and how proud he was of all of us and for what we're doing. And uh, so to be, I guess there's, it's, I don't know, it's a little like fitting to be recording this today uh, because he was a great supporter and, and very proud of, of all his friends who were doing so well. So that's uh, Mako, who we talk Mako, about the yeah. end of every episode. Yeah. So I'm very, just very grateful. Very, you know, it's, it's obviously, uh, it's been an emotional couple weeks as this has all, all happened. You know, I can't, the funny thing is it came together very quickly. Uh, it was like, you know, here you, you build up these things in your mind like crazy. And then it turns out to be the easiest conversation I've probably had in 17 years in pro wrestling. And so, it, yeah, it's just a very exciting time. Uh, and, and to know where you're going to, I know where I'm going to be for the next year. I'm going to be in ring of honor wrestling, you know, like it's, it's exciting. You know, I don't have to go down and chase down, you know, <laughs> bookings, you know, <laughs> you know, type of thing. Like for the first time ever, I mean, yeah, there's still an extent you have to do that, but, um, you know, just to, to have your name on a piece of paper, to have a company say, no, we believe in you. We, we believe you, we, you are worth it. I mean, when, when a company signs you to a contract, whether that's, Ring of Honor or AEW or WWE, they're, they're essentially making an investment in you. They're saying, we believe that if we put this into you, we're going to get something out of it. So that uh, is not lost on me, and I'm, I'm very thankful and grateful. Um, I don't know if he'll be mad or, <laughs> mad or not at me, but you know, I, I can't thank Todd Sinclair enough because he's never given up on me. He's always fought for me. He's been a great friend, a great friend and a great person to have by your side in the business. And ironically, we started... Yeah, the same place at the same time together. But, it was the same uh, day, right? Yeah, yeah. So uh, to have him, you know, be such an important part of that, I can't thank him enough. And uh, it's incredible, buddy. It's I'm rambling now, but it's yeah. incredible. <laughs> you mentioned AEW. Just the climate of wrestling today is such that. Do you think if this whole thing wasn't happening, that you'd have a contract today? A- the AEW. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, the- it's just, it's, just, it's such that everyone wants to lock up the talent that they have now, and I don't know if that would be the case if this other thing wasn't happening right now. I mean, I, I think in my, in my particular case, I don't know that AEW swung, swung it one way or the other mm-hmm. for me. I mean, I've been being used consistently by Ring of Honor now for a couple of years, so. You know, it definitely was a goal. It didn't feel inevitable, but it felt like it should be a natural progression. I mean, they've continued to use me, continued to book me. Uh, so I felt like it at least was a was a possibility the entire time, even before yeah. the creation of, of AEW. So I don't know if my in my particular case it is. I, I think maybe more of the top end sort of talent that's mm-hmm. getting just scooped up everywhere. I think it probably has more impact on some of the more well-known guys. How great is it though for independent talents? Just there's so many places to work, well, so many funny, people get I, locked up. The funny thing is, I think it's actually it's actually starting to hurt independent wrestling because there are so many guys getting. I guess know. it depends on your definition of independent wrestling. Yeah, there's a lot of people. Yeah, like I'm ta- when I'm, ta- when, I'm ta- when I'm talking independent wrestling, I'm talking about like you know like chaotic wrestling, beyond wrestling, northeast wrestling, like places. Yeah, I know Drew. Drew seems to be lamenting the fact that a lot of guys are getting uh, locked up into contracts. Drew yeah. from beyond wrestling. Yeah, I mean it's just yeah it's it's thinning the. It's thinning the pool, and, and uh, when you think about even you know guys under contracts like I am, where I can work these places, but then 
for a platform like Beyond Wrestling, like it limits what they can do with the footage. So it's it's a uh, it's an interesting climate in in wrestling right now. But uh, I can just say for me personally, uh, I'm exactly where I want to be. You know, there's no place I'd rather be right now than, uh, and I'm not just saying that because they offered me a contract and I signed it, but that there's literally, when I think about my life and where I want to go and my goals and aspirations, um, this is the place I, I, I want to call home. So, uh, and I'm excited we were able to get that done. Get a little bump? We don't talk money on this no, podcast. All right, Bruce Pritchard, <laughs> you went full Pritchard on me. No money talk. I huh? just don't want you to know how much I'm making, Mike. Oh, okay. yeah, all of a sudden, I'm gonna, you know, be floating <laughs> more money for this podcast. Well, yeah. Again, congratulations, pal. It's, uh, I mean, 17 years coming. So, thank you. Buddy. Very well deserved. Do we put in a word for you? Please, please, <laughs> please. Do we, the official podcast of Ring of Honor Wrestling, the wrestling podcast about nothing. All right, Kingpin, let's get to this week's promo about nothing. But before we get into that, you are hitting the highways and byways, crisscrossing this great nation of ours, plying your trade as a professional wrestler, and regardless of your contract, you do have dates. I do, and a lot of them are going to be Ring of Honor okay. dates. <laughs> <laughs> this weekend, Mike, I get to get the hell out of New England, and I'm pretty excited about that because I'm heading to sunny Florida. It's going to be warm. Uh, I've already looked at the temperatures. They're going to be in the 70s. I'm bringing shorts, maybe even a tank top. I'm very excited. I uh, did see this match for Miami. Yeah, oh, my we, goodness. Yeah, we can get to that in a quick moment. But first, got to stop in Lakeland. Mike. Oh, okay. Excuse me. Lakeland, Florida, for Ring of Honor's international TV taping. That's Saturday night, February the 9th, uh, Lakeland, Florida. Tickets still available, rhwrestling.com. The only way to see this will be on the weekly episodes of Ring of Honor TV. But the very next night, Mike, heading to Miami, Florida, uh, you just alluded to it, yes. but big match announced. It's going to be the Bouncers and Coast to Coast taking on Lifeblood members Juice Robinson, David Finley, Bandito, and Tracy Williams. That is an incredible matchup. <laughs> um, I did notice that it was uh, Lifeblood will be in action was the headline. So, ah. <laughs> <laughs> but nevertheless, uh, very excited about this match. Should be a very a very fun match. A clash of styles of. Uh, you know, a little bit here with uh, Bandito and such. <laughs> yeah, so we'll see how that all uh, that all comes together. But uh, very excited for that. So that and that can actually be streamed live on Honor Club. So rhwrestling.com Honor Club. You can watch this Sunday night, February the tenth, uh, live on Honor Club from Miami, Florida, bound by Honor. So should be a great weekend of wrestling. Then, Mike, uh, I'm actually off for the rest of the month because. Well, Chaotic Wrestling canceled me on February the 22nd. Oops. <laughs> they got wind, huh? So I'm not plugging their show. So no, <laughs> they, they do have a show on February 22nd. Go to chaoticwrestling.com. Full tickets and card information. I won't be there, but please go support uh, lots of our friends and, and you know go check out their show. But then I return to action, Mike, March the 3rd, uh, Providence, Rhode Island, live prov. Uh, I'll be taking on AJ Phoenix, a youngster from down in that area. So, is your first time with this promotion? It is, yeah. So a, a debut here for uh, for the old Kingpin. So excited to work with Live Prov and uh, go down to Providence, Rhode Island, which I wrestled a lot in, uh, not last year, the year before. But uh, big return to the lovely city uh, of Providence, Rhode Island. Uh, and then, Mike, 
I'm, I won't be in attendance at the pay-per-view on Friday night, March the 15th in Las Vegas, but I will be on hand for Ring of Honor's uh, international TV tapings on March the 16th in Las Vegas, Nevada. Again, I get to get the hell out of New England in the freezing cold weather uh, and go take part in some warm weather and shenanigans in Las Vegas. I'll try to behave myself. <laughs> and then uh, I have to, of course, mention the big one, Mike. Mm-hmm. The big evening. In New Hampshire, pro wrestling returns to the great state of New Hampshire, Astromania. The bouncers are coming to Derry, New Hampshire, my hometown. How about that, Mike? Wait, can you work your own show now? Yes, I can work my okay. own show. Just, <laughs> Just don't broadcast it, right? Exactly. Yeah, I can't use the footage for anything. But the Beer City Bruiser, Brian Malone, is making our New Hampshire debut together. Uh, his New Hampshire debut. I've wrestled in New Hampshire before, but it's Astromania in Derry, New Hampshire. All the stars of Liberty States Wrestling come in in conjuncture with the Pinkerton class of 2019. Come out, support a great cause, see a fun night of wrestling. Uh, I want this to be just a super fun celebration of wrestling. It's going to be an awesome night. Uh, maybe even see Mike Crockett there. Perhaps. Wrestling, uh, ref- roughing a, uh, a match. Uh, and right now, Mike, I can tell you, h- how about this? How about we drop the main event? Right here. Are you kidding me? Let's do it. I'm. I, I. This is spur of the. You know. This is just like I'm deciding to do this right now. I just did it right on the spot. Here we are, Mike. The main event of Astromania. The bouncers will be taken on. Maybe. Maybe. The greatest team in New England history. Mm-hmm. The Logan brothers. Really. Two thirds of the Mill City Hooligans. Oh my goodness. How about that for a main event? That is, I, I knew you put yourself in the main event. Of course I put myself in the main <laughs> event. Now, I'm sure there'll be a double main event because uh, I, I do know that the Liberty States Wrestling Heavyweight Championship will be defended uh, on this show as well. So it'll be a double main event, but uh, uh, one half of it will be certainly be me and the me and the Beer City Bruiser, the Bouncers, taking on the Logan Brothers. Astromania LSW for tickets uh, and more information. But that's, uh, fr- uh, excuse me, Saturday night, March the 30th, Derry, New Hampshire. Please go buy your tickets now. Only took you over an hour to get the plug in for Astromania. <laughs> but you did. But you did get it in, Brian. So let's talk about this week's... Much much like my contract, better late than never. <laughs> let's talk about this promo about nothing, Kingpin. The year is 1992. And let's talk about the WWF, the World Wrestling Federation. For over 50 years, the revolutionary force in sports entertainment. It is indeed. And this man was a revolutionary force in 1992. Virgil. Oh, okay. This week's promo about nothing. There's a lot of tough guys going around the World Wrestling Federation, and let me name a few. I'm talking about Papa Shango. He a big old voodoo type guy. Well, um, I don't know where he's coming from. And let me tell you about nails. You nails. I'm talking about you came up and you handcuffed one of my best friends. I'm talking about the big boss man to the ropes. We couldn't move, man, and then you beat him down like a dog. Okay. Yeah. How about Papa Shanga? But Papa Shanga. Is <laughs> that big, big voodoo, voodoo dead, man? <laughs> Where are you coming from? No, yeah. I think we understand why Virgil was uh, the strong silent type with the Million Dollar Man. Oof. And, of course, then you had your nails. He beat Big Boss Man like a dog. Handcuffed him to the ropes. 
Every dog's got his day, Mike. Yes. Failing to mention that Big Boss Man himself handcuffed people to the ropes for years before he turned babyface. And, and he then... abused nails, right? Like you. <laughs> yes, he did. Apparently, that's well, that's nail story anyway. That he uh, abused. You know, prison. the way Big Boss Man came into the World Wrestling Federation, I tend to believe nail story. Okay. We, yeah, we can go with that. And then, of course, Kamala. He splashes on people. Want you splash on me? Oh, I think he said scratches on people. <laughs> no, he splashes on people. Oh, okay. Want you splash on me? If you can. <laughs> oh, Virgil. So he's got a lot of trash. He collects trash. Apparently, I don't know. Was this before Duke Drosy? So they need someone to collect trash. You know what else he collects, Mike? What's that? Fuck money. <laughs> <laughs> that he does. <laughs> By any means necessary. <laughs> Just chasing people down for 8 by 10 money. Sure, after this, he wouldn't have had a nice meal at Olive Garden. <laughs> I, I bet he did. did all, was Olive Garden around in 92? Uh, Maybe regionally. I don't know. It wasn't up here anyway. <laughs> so he uh, closed the promo. He picks up trash, and he found three big trash cans. Hmm. Wouldn't it be pieces of trash? Yeah, wouldn't it be they three? Should, they shouldn't be the receptacles. They should be actual pieces of trash. Yeah, and now he's, he's going after trash cans. You know, there's only one conclusion we can we can draw from this. Virgil really sucks at promos. <laughs> <laughs> that is a fact. All right, Kingpin, you heard this promo about nothing. If you want the full picture, find the link to the video in the description of this episode. And this video was uh, a little makeshift. I found it on Facebook. So uh, it's a makeshift video recorded off someone's TV. So take that as it may. You can find that through the... From the network? <laughs> I think so. I think it's from the old uh, superstars that went up recently. You can find that uh, in the uh, description or at the WPAN.com. That is the wpan.com all right we are out of here kingpin and we will be back next monday for episode 147 of the wrestling podcast about nothing till then he is ring of honor contracted wrestler the kingpin brian malonis i'm mike crockett big ups to mucko and thanks for nothing